welcome to Holy Trinity Catholic Church from Beaverton, Oregon. Good morning, everybody. Happy spring break to those of you who get a spring break. So I want to begin this morning by teaching you a phrase that uh, I'm guessing is probably new for both most of us. Um, you can use this at your next cocktail party if we ever have those again, right? Anyway, here it is. <clears throat> Repeat this after me if you would, please. Redemptive violence. Redemptive violence. Good, exactly. Redemptive violence. So. Redemptive violence, it's just a fancy phrase, it's a name for this kind of unspoken, um, subconscious, sort of just assumed belief that exists really in almost all human cultures that have ever existed. So it's, it's this kind of primal belief, it's almost never questioned, it's one of those, maybe we could say deep-seated mythological kind of frameworks that we use to sort of see the world and understand ourselves and our place in it. So. So what is it exactly? Well, it's the belief that the way that you oppose evil, the way that you confront injustice, the way that you right wrongs is through the use of violence, righteous violence. So somebody hits you unjustly, you hit them back harder. Somebody hurts you, you use your brain, maybe your tongue, even, if you're fi even your fist perhaps, to hurt them back. That's how we get right again. That's how we reestablish equilibrium. That's how we set things right. So think about some of our favorite movies or television series. Think about our westerns or our political thrillers or our crime dramas. If some of you are into the uh, Marvel comic universe, think about the MCU universe. How do Captain America or Iron Man, how do they confront evil and oppression? Is it by talking it out or negotiating? No, right? It's with vi violence, violent action, righteous violence, violence that saves the day, or in other words, redemptive violence. And truth be told, it's kind of fun, isn't it, to see the bad guys get what's coming to them, to see the good guys beat them at their own game, to watch Scarlet Witch literally rip the heart out of Eltron after he's caused so much pain and suffering? That's redemption, baby. Doesn't that feel good? Hmm. Well, if it does, then maybe you can see the tension that's at the heart of our gospel today. Our gospel today takes place in the middle of Holy Week, just before Jesus suffers and dies. And man, what a week it's been. Think of all that Jesus has done before the conversation that we hear today. He's raised Lazarus from the dead, right? Astonishing everybody, leaving Jerusalem in an uproar. And then he enters triumphantly into the city, raising up in their, their minds these glorious memories of King David and Solomon. And then, without missing a beat, he marches right into the temple like he owns the place, tosses out the merchants and the money changers, and dares the authorities to do something about it. So for first-century Jews... These were all powerful, deeply resonant signs, messianic signs, signs that God was about to act again as he did in the Exodus so long ago. So the atmosphere must have been electric, anticipation palpable, 
the priests and the Pharisees must have been quaking and shaking, right? And then comes Jesus' declaration in our gospel today, now is the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified. And you can almost hear the crowd saying, this is it. He just said it. This is where he calls us to arms, summons an army of angels, calls down the thunder. And with tensions just about to explode, what does Jesus start talking about next? The cross. Losing your life in order to save it. Suffering in the service of love. And everybody is like, what? What? What did you just say? Did you just say what I thought you said? And maybe we can begin to see why in just a couple of days, when Jesus stands there before Pilate, the crowds would be so willing to turn against him. And my friends, let's be honest. Their reaction really isn't all that different from ours, is it? I mean, not in real life. I mean, consider, how do you react when somebody insults you or tells you that you're wrong or doesn't give you the credit you deserve or, heck, cuts you off in traffic? Do you just wave and say, oh, very well, carry on? Probably not most of us. How do you react when your least favorite politician of choice opens their mouth? Is it your instinct to turn the other cheek or to pray for your enemy or to die to yourself? Or is it to punish, to score points, to hit back harder, to win at all costs, maybe even to destroy? Well, that, my friends, is redemptive violence. And the question that Jesus confronts us with in the gospel today is, will you choose that violence, or will you follow me and choose the cross? Now, I will admit to you, the first option is a whole lot more attractive for me than the second. Redemptive violence, the cross, I'll take some of the violence today, please. That sounds a lot better. It sure feels a lot better, doesn't it? Isn't that true? However, as C.S. Lewis once wrote, we don't follow the Lord Jesus because it makes us feel better or because it makes life easier. We follow him because in him we find the truth. And being the broken human beings that we are, accepting the truth, putting it into practice, almost always requires a struggle and a willingness to die to ourselves. The cross isn't something we can do on our own. Only God's grace gets us there. Now, just to be clear, what I'm talking about here, the cross, loving your neighbor, even to the point of death, that isn't an excuse for cowardice or passivity or wallowing in our victimhood. It requires a whole nother level of strength, power, love, self-control, as St. Paul tells us, even creativity. And because it's not natural, I find that in my life, it also requires practice constantly. Because embracing the cross is what you might call a perishable skill. In other words, you lose it if you don't use it. Because our default isn't the cross. It's redemptive violence. So how do we practice? Well, one way that I personally have found helpful is something that Mother Teresa called her humility list. Erica has it on our website this morning, or you can just Google it if you want. Mother Teresa's Humility List is what it's called. So this is a list of 15 different suggestions that Mother Teresa has that help us to exercise our cross muscle, if you will. 
So 15 is too many for my little brain, so I usually just choose one or two to work on at a time. Currently, I'm working on accept small irritations with good humor and give in to the will of others. She has others, even more challenging. Give in, even when you know you're right. Ha! Right. <laughs> Accept being forgotten and disregarded. Put up with Father Hans. Oh. <laughs> Tough. That's not in there. <laughs> in any case, you can see these aren't easy. In fact, they kind of suck, right? They're hard work but also good work because they force me to constantly turn to God rather than rely on myself. So I challenge you, look them up. Google Mother Teresa's humility list and see if there's not something there for you to work on this week. Amen, amen, I say to you, Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there also will my servant be. Where do we find Jesus during this holy season? Thank you for joining us. You can learn more on our parish website at h-t.org. We hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel or try and join us for Mass if you're local. Again, all the information will be on h-t.org. Thank you.